If you would like to share what the Spirit of the Lord has laid upon my heart to bring to you today, um, I'm going to ask you to turn over to the book of Luke, chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 27. So Luke chapter 6, beginning with the 26th or the 27th verse, excuse me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says to them in that 27th verse, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Now, if you think that sounds kind of radical today, just think of what it would have sounded like in their day. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asks of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. If you do good to them which do good unto you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what, what thanks have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But, but love your enemies and do good and lend and hope for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. Listen to this. For he, God, he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Wow. He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. He's saying, be like your father. Be merciful, even as your father also is merciful. I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. That's a load. Can you say amen? So would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together and ask the Lord for his help in ministering the word of God. Father, we come unto you this morning with a very grateful heart. Thank you that you are God and that you never change. Thank you that your word is forever settled in heaven. Thank you this morning for the opportunity that we've had to worship your name and to give honor unto you. 
We read the word of God this morning, and Lord, we ask that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word and open our hearts and give us clarity and understanding. I pray, Heavenly Father, that of my own ability, I know that I am inadequate. But if you will anoint me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you will touch me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and give me liberty in the house of God to expand upon what you have laid upon my heart and bless me to be a blessing. I know that people will be blessed and individuals will be touched. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would allow Jesus to be glorified and that you would allow hearts that hear this word to be edified. Bless me now, anoint me now, give me unction to function in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. amen. <clears throat> so I want to title my sermon this morning or my message this morning, Extreme Love. Extreme Love. I read a story here recently about a 100-year-old man that had reached his 100th birthday, and he was being interviewed by a reporter. And the reporter asked him, said, Sir, on your 100th birthday, what are you most proud of? And the old man said to the reporter, Well, I don't have an enemy in this world. And the reporter responded by saying, wow, what a beautiful thought and how wonderfully inspirational. The old man said, yep, I've outlived every last one of them. And if we are honest with ourselves this morning, when it comes to our enemies, maybe that is our approach. We just pray that we outlive them all. Or maybe we will be a little more transparent and a little more sincere, and we will admit that when it comes to our enemies, we are all too often and all too willing to go to war. Hello? Just the mention of someone's name, and I don't know who, you know, pokes your button, but just the mention of someone's name can just cause you to want to roll up your sleeves and look them in the eye and go, you want a piece of me? Hello? I'm just preaching to me, I reckon. <laughs> but maybe, just maybe, we are all too willing to quickly retaliate. Maybe we have the tendency to look for ways or opportunities to hit back. If we're honest with ourselves, it could be that we have the propensity to look for ways to get even. Some folks lose sleep at night figuring out ways that they can just 
get even. Even the score. Amen. This morning, I want us to consider how we respond to those that offend us. How do we respond to those that mistreat us? How do we respond when we have done our best and we have been on the up and up and we have tried to be kind and we have tried to be generous and we have tried to be loving and and they give us the old proverbial stab in the back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about this morning, I just want you to know that if you have the pleasure of living very long on this earth at any length of time, there is going to come some time, some place, at some moment in your life where someone in some way or another is going to mistreat you. They are going to somehow, some way offend you. I promise that there are going to be some moments when someone somewhere is going to talk about you behind your back. And we might as well get used to the idea that not everybody wants to be our friend. Hello? Some people just, I mean, they want everyone to like them. We all want people to respect us, and we all want people to admire us. But I'm just going to tell you right up front this morning, you might as well just accept it. Not everybody wants to be your friend. Not everybody wants, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't need them to validate who I am in Christ. You don't need them to validate who you are in Christ. But how do we respond when we have endeavored to do the right thing and we have endeavored to be faithful and honest and we have endeavored to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord and then someone talks about us and someone has an ill word to say about us and they're assassinating our character. Nothing hurts an individual of integrity more than to have their integrity called into question. I don't know if you've ever found that out, but I'll say it again. Nothing hurts an individual of integrity more than to have their integrity called into question. If you're not a person of integrity, you don't care what folks say. But if you're an individual of integrity, it bothers you somewhere way down deep inside to have somebody accuse you falsely, to say things that are untrue about you. But maybe we're here this morning and you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe somewhere at some point at some time, maybe it was last week, maybe it was last month, and maybe it was years ago 
Someone offended you, hurt you, mistreated you, and that injury still lurks in the corners and the recesses of your mind and in the recesses of your heart. And the question that I feel like the Holy Spirit sent me here to ask you this morning is how do we respond? How do we react? What is our course of action? When my boys were growing up, and maybe some of you have heard me say this in the past, but when my children were growing up, all three of my boys, when they were growing up, I told them, I said, you can't always control what people do, but you can control how you respond to it. Hello? So how do we respond when others mistreat us? And how do we respond when they falsely accuse us? And how do we respond when they treat us badly? Do we respond in like manner and get into a tit-for-tat kind of mentality? That's our first inclination, is it not? Mm Mm-hmm. When someone treats us illly, there's a part of us that just wants to engage. (laughs) There is a part of us that wants to just rise up and give them a piece of our mind. And some folk better not give any more pieces away, can you say amen? (laughs) Am I preaching the truth? I mean, when somebody talks about us or somebody, you know, I mean, offends us, mistreats us, there is a part of us that wants to engage and a part of us that wants to rise up and respond to them. You hurt me, and so therefore, I'm going to do whatever I can to hurt you back. And we get into this tit-for-tat kind of mentality. We start to plot and plan their demise. But let me give you a word of caution from the scripture this morning. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 29, say not that I will do so to him as he had done to me. God says, I will render to every man according to his work. So when that mentality rises up in us and we want to engage, we need to remember that God says, don't say in your heart, I will do unto them as they have done unto me. God said, no, you leave it in my hands and I'll take care of it. How many of you know that sometimes that's really hard to do? There's a part of us that wants to take care of it. And let me just explain to you something this morning, that as long as we are hanging on to it, amen, God is not going to put his hands in the mix. But if you will let go of it and say, Lord, vengeance belongs to you, God says, I will repay. I will give to every man according to his works. God is just simply saying, let me handle it. I came to tell somebody this morning, let God handle it. 
I know what they said. I know how they treated you. I know how they stabbed you in the back. I know how you were looked down upon. I know how they, amen, how they, uh, you know, affected your life. But here, let me just tell you this morning, get your hands off of it and let God handle it. Mm. Maybe there's a part of us that we want to write emails and make phone calls behind their back. Or maybe even openly rebuke them on Facebook. Isn't that a wise choice? <laughs> I am stunned by some of the stuff people put on Facebook. I'm just like, really? Wow. Well, that, let, let me just tell you, do we rejoice in their failure? Do we, do we, re, do we rejoice in their failure and mourn when they succeed? Is there a part of us that, you know, when they stumble and they fall, we go, yes, Lord. And when they get a new car, we go, well. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, let me just tell you this morning, we need to be careful about that too. Because the Bible said in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 17, Rejoice not when your enemy falls. Let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it. And he's displeased with you and he turns his hand away from them. So if you want God to take his hand off of them, just look pleased at their demise. Just gloat about their failure. God is saying, do not rejoice and gloat over their misfortune. Do we secretly hope that they get exactly what they got coming to me? And I'm telling you this morning, that is exactly how our flesh wants to react. That is exactly how our flesh wants to react. When we look through the, amen, look through the lens of, of, of vengeance and hostility and bitterness and we see the injustice and when we look through the lens, uh, amen, uh, uh, of injustice and we see the resentment and the anger and the bitterness that wells up in our heart, all we want to do is retaliate back at them. That's exactly what our flesh wants to do. And Jesus comes along here in our text and he upsets the whole mentality. And he says, love your enemies. Say what? Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. I don't want to do good. I want to hate them back. <laughs> What's that little nursery rhyme? Whatever you throw on me, bounces on me, and sticks on you. You want to hate me? I hate you too. Pray for those that mistreat you. Are we supposed to take him serious? Are we supposed to take him serious? 
This is a heavy, heavy setting of scripture. I don't, I don't have a difficult time loving those that love me and treat me with respect. It's not a problem. I fell in love with my wife February the 6th, 1981. First time I laid eyes on her, I went like the cartoon. Boom. Wow. Who is that? And I fall in love with her over and over again every single day. And she makes it so easy because she loves me so good. I can't help but love her. I don't have a problem loving those that love me and treat me with kindness. I don't have a problem loving those that amen, show respect and kindness unto me. I don't have a difficult time loving those that treat me kindly and, 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 they, and they treat me with respect. But it, Jesus comes along and he says, I don't want you to just love those folks. I want you to love everybody. I want you to love your enemy. And I want you to pray for those that despitefully use you. And those that laugh when you fall. And those that don't care for you. And those that talk about you behind your back. And those that, you know, stabs you in the back. And those that have offended you. I want you to love those people too. If you ask me in my humble opinion, if there was ever a portion of scripture that you could just cut out of the Bible... This might be it. I mean, I think he wrote a really good book up to this point. <laughs> you want me to do what? It goes completely against our thinking. It goes completely against our natural inclination. It goes against our desires. It grates against our will. Love our enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. It's like saying, think of the best thing that you can do for the worst person you know and do it. It's like saying, think of what you'd really like someone to do for you and do that for the person that you don't like. <laughs> It's like saying, think of the people to whom you're tempted to treat really ugly and nasty because they deserve it. And instead, lavish grace and mercy upon them. C can I just tell you that's what God did for us? Mm -hmm. Maybe you see where I'm headed. Jesus concludes his remarks by saying in verse 36, Be ye therefore merciful, even as your Father in heaven has been merciful to you. I have no doubt in my mind that there were times in my life and continue to be times in my life when I disappoint God. When I look, when I when 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 I do something to just make him, you know, shake his head and go, "Oh my gosh, Gary, <laughs> really? Anybody else?" And and he doesn't treat me ugly and nasty 
and vengeful. He gives me mercy and grace and forgiveness and another start. That's unfair. Grace is unfair. Well, let me just tell you something this morning. Grace is unfair until you need it. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to be merciful just like your heavenly Father has been merciful to you. I want you to treat your enemies in the same manner and the same fashion that God treated you when you were his enemy and when you were alienated from God and you were dead in your trespasses and your sins and you were separated from God and God lavished his love and his grace and his mercy upon you in your ungodly state. That's what I want you to do for your enemy freely you have received freely give he's saying respond to others in the same way that God has responded to you He's reminding us that as the children of God, we have been forgiven. And now we, now that we have received forgiveness, we must be forgiving toward others. Let me share some scripture with you. Romans 12, verse 14. Paul writes and he says, bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Verse 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide all things honest in the sight of men if it's possible, he said. As much as lieth within you, live at peace with all men. 19, verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. Verse 21, he writes there in that 12th chapter, Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Proverbs 25 and 21, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread. And if he be thirsty, give him water. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. He's telling us how we are to respond. We are to respond in love and in mercy the same way that God responded to us at our cry. He tells us three different things and I call them mandates. Let me just tell you the scriptures that we have read this morning are not suggestions. They are mandates. He says, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those that curse you, and pray for those that mistreat you. That's what I call extreme love. That's what I call extreme love. When God began to put this on my heart, he gave me three things that I want to speak to you about this morning. The first thing that he's asking us to do in this setting of text, he is asking us to love the unlovable. 
He is asking us to take the high road. He's asking us to display a picture of God's love for others. He's asking us to display the same kind of love that Jesus displayed the night of the Last Supper. Let me remind you of some of the events that took place that night. Jesus knowing that he was about to be crucified. He gathers in the upper room with his disciples. They have eaten the bread. They have drank the wine. They have sang hymns and they have worshiped together. And Jesus, the Bible said, takes a towel and he girds himself with the towel and he takes a pan of water and he kneels at the disciples' feet and he begins to wash their feet. Wow, what an act of humility. Wow, what an act of love. What an act of servitude. And yet, in the back of his mind, Jesus knows that as he washes Peter's feet, there is coming a moment in the future when Peter will deny him three times. And Peter will say, I do not know the man. And yet, Jesus lovingly Washes his feet. He comes to Judas Iscariot. And in his mind he knows that Judas is about to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And yet he does not, he does not rebuke Judas. He does not lash out at him. He does not become unseemingly to him. He lovingly kneels at his feet and washes the feet of the very man that will betray him. Wow, talk about lavish love. How about Jesus hanging on Calvary's cross? The enemies of the Lord are below him and they are mocking him and amen and they are despising him and Jesus looks toward heaven and instead of lashing out at them and rebuking them and, and acting angry at them, Jesus looks toward heaven and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. Talk about love. That's extreme love. That's what the Bible calls agape love. And I don't want to get bogged down this morning by preaching about all of the different kinds of love. But let me just tell you, agape love is God's love. It's, God's, it's described to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And maybe you think that's just a setting of scripture that works at a marriage ceremony but let me just read to you this morning first corinthians 13 and verse 1 paul said though i speak with the tongues of men and angels if i have not charity if i do not have love i become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge and though I have faith so that I can move mountains, if I do not have agape, if I do not have love, 
I am nothing. Even though I bestow all of my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, if I do not have love, it profits me nothing. And then he begins to describe the character of love, agape love. He said, love suffers long and it is kind. He's describing how love behaves itself. Love suffers long and it is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It does not behave itself unseemingly. It does not seek its own. It is not easily provoked. Love, that kind of love thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And then he closes by saying, that kind of love bears all things, believes all things, uh, hopes all things, and endures all things. Uh, and then he says, and that kind of love never fails never fails you want to win someone to the Lord treat them with kindness treat them with love let them see the agape love in your life and rather than retaliate and rather than lash back and rather amen, allow yourself to operate in the spirit of the Lord and extend them love and mercy instead of recompensing unto them their due just reward that kind of love, the Bible said in Corinthians 16 and 17, Paul said, let everything be done with agape love. First John chapter 4 and verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Oh, because God is love. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14 Paul said, above all things, put on the bond. I call it the super glue of the gospel. Above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You want to be complete? You want to be complete and perfect in Christ? Put on love. John chapter 3, verse number 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you. Mm. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And then he says something that just blows my mind. He says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you speak with tongues, nope. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you have a Jericho march, shout up one dial and down the other aisle. Nope. All those things are great. But that's not the telltale sign that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. What is? If you have love one to another. If you operate in a spirit of love, even for those that are seemingly unlovable the second thing that he laid upon my heart and secondly he's asking us here in this setting of scripture to give up our right to retaliate 
And for many of us, that's the hard part. He's asking us to give up our right to retaliate. He's asking us to sender, to surrender our right of retaliation. We may have the right to retaliate, but we don't have the permission. Let me say that again. We may have the right to retaliate. They may have indeed done us wrong. They may have indeed mistreated us. We may have the right to retaliate, but we do not have the permission to retaliate. Are you with me? Where does he say that, Pastor Gary? Verse 29, he says, Unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer also the other. Now, does that mean that if somebody were to violently take a swing and pop me in the jaw, I'm just going to stand there and go, oh, have the other one? No. It, that ain't what it means. Here's the, here's the context of what Jesus was saying. Understand that to the Jewish people, a slap on the cheek in Jesus' day was more of an emotional thing than a physical thing. It had nothing to do with physical violence, but it was a public embarrassment. How many of you have ever seen, you know, the old challenge you to a duel thing? You see what I'm saying? So when someone wanted to put someone down or insult them or publicly slam their character, they would take the back of their hand and they would slightly pop the back of their cheek. And what Jesus is saying is, you haven't suffered physical violence. That's not what that's about. What he is saying is, you, are, you, are, you have been publicly humiliated. You have been shamed and embarrassed and you have been ridiculed and others are looking on. And you have a choice. You can either engage or you can just turn the other cheek and refuse to be a part of the duel. Jesus is saying, don't respond. Refuse the insult. Refuse to engage with them. Give them the other cheek. Someone once said that you don't have to accept every fight that comes to you and every fight that's been offered to you. And let me just tell you, I have learned from personal experience that it takes oftentimes a bigger man to walk away than it does to stand and fight. It takes a special kind of strength and a special kind of love in your heart to receive that and just say, not going to engage. Oh, oh, there's a part of me that wants to get involved. That's the part that I have to keep pushing down. Hello? <laughs> That's the part that I have to restrain. 
Jesus is telling us not to just merely restrain from poor behavior, but he's telling us to intentionally pursue good behavior. Love the unlovable. And he's asking us to surrender our rights to retaliate. Surrender our rights to retaliate. Why? Because that's the way that God treated us in the same manner. 